time for your love coach. Let's find out if you're ready for love. Here's your marvelous host, Nikki Lee. Hello, and welcome to Ready for Love Radio. This is your host and love coach, Nikki Lee. Today, we are going to have a slightly different conversation. We're actually going to talk about, yeah, we're going to love this combination. We're going to talk about book birds, engineering, motorcycles, and the erotic side of men. How about that for a combination? And, I like and, it. I like it. I like it, too. I was sitting here going, what all are we going to cover today? <laughs> so, how about the male erotic journey? I like that. That's cool, too. All right. <laughs> so my guest today is Christopher Hoffman. Chris, it's awesome to have you with me today. I'm a, it's a pleasure. I can't wait to see what happens. <laughs> I know. I've been thinking about this going, you know, this conversation could take a whole lot of different directions, and I'm not real sure which way we're going to go. So I, you know what? I, I think your, your vehicle that you've, you've designed is the perfect one for this conversation because it can go in all kinds of directions. <laughs> so. It can. <laughs> All right. So let me let me just give you just a short bio, and and then we'll dive right into this. Okay. So Chris is an author, an innovator, and a provocateur. He's turned his creative explorations into a visceral story, one visceral story after another. As an innovator, he's appeared on one network television program such as the Today Show, Discovery Channel, and the Gadget Show. You know, I, I see the gadget show, and I think of Q from James Bond. And Q was my favorite character by far. I just have to tell oh, you. Oh, me too. Totally. Uh, you know, Q is the reason I watched James Bond. It really was. That in the cars. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Chris's life is defined by innovation and entrepreneurship and harmony with erotic expression and awakening. He now takes his personal exploration and distills them down into impactful yet always easy to grasp concepts that engineers can embrace. You know, <laughs> I looked at this and it says, after barely making it out of high school, he went on to design industrial robotics for 15 years in the Detroit auto industry. You know, that's, that's quite a leap you made there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. From the factory to a, you know, like up in my head engineer guy to a guy that's like found himself in his full erotic expression. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> so then you, you woke up and started questioning the world that you built around yourself, quite literally built around yourself. That's, that's kind yep. of interesting. Yep. And, and this, this Rhino Motors, we're going to talk about that, too, because uh, this inter- interesting stuff you got going on. Uh, we, we could talk for two hours, actually, but we, yeah, th- interesting. Okay. So it says your main passions are innovation, erotic awareness, and the courage to be vulnerable. That's a, it's an interesting combination of stuff you got going on there. Yeah. So now I think the first thing I want you to do is, Describe your book to me. Tell tell us a little bit about that first, and then we're gonna we're gonna get into some other things. Yeah, so my book is sort of like a memoir style. It's uh, about twenty stories. Um, in the background is running my startup company uh, around Rhino Motors, which is uh, a company that manufactures a single wheel electric motorcycle, sort of like a Segway scooter. 
uh, 10 miles an hour, 25 mile range. So there's this whole like, you know, building it in the garage and then finding my, you know, first investor and raising money and, and all the, you know, crash and burns associated with that. But in the foreground is leaving my marriage about seven years ago as an up in my head engineer guy, just kind of stuck in my own little box. And then going out and having all these erotic exp- uh, experiences with women and all the lessons that I've taught, you know, that, that I've been taught by these women and, and how I feel like, you know, they're really impactful, important lessons to share with other men. So what I did in this book was I sort of, um, you know, I, 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 I tell this over-the-shoulder, you know, look of a guy trying to figure himself out, you know, in the bedroom and then embed this, you know, little teaching or, or a little story, you know, moment in each story uh, that engineers can use and in a way that, you know, you get them to read it and, and they'll learn something in the process, I hope, instead of having to read some manual or go to a bunch of Tantra classes. So I've distilled down, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, useful concepts about, you know, just how to get over yourself and, and find your true expression in a way that it's, it rocks along and, it's, you know, can't put it down page turner uh, that makes it easy for engineers to sort of get their head around this stuff and, you know, maybe, you know, somehow change the world in some incremental way. Right. Now, you know, I, I've met a lot, of, a lot of engineers over the years, and I actually, when I was a kid, I was going to be an architect. That was that was my big thing I was going to do, and and I actually graduated from high school with a um, uh, certification in, in drafting, and I, I worked for a surveyor for about seven years out of high school, and Great. yeah, so I mean that that's actually where I, where I started. I've, I've kind of gotten off course from that a little bit. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I, I kind of kind of started in all that kind of so, sort of vein. Um, but I, like I said, so I've, I've dealt with and worked with a lot of you know engineers over the years, and I actually was a partner in a, a home improvement business for a while. Um, Serious geek. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so I mean, you know, I, you, you didn't know all this fun stuff about me, and neither did my listeners actually. So, but I, you know, sex isn't usually something they talk about, you know, deeply. I mean, they're, they're all interested in it, but it's not something that you know they delve into on a deeper right. level. So, so right. this. It's kind of unusual that you would you would delve into this in such a um, deep and profound sort of way, isn't it? I agree. Um, it's it's you know like the engineer. It's funny because he's um, he's such a great catch. I mean, engineers are kind of their they're heroes in a way. You know, the things that engineers build and the way they make our lives better and the unsold untold stories. But you know, it's it's through the the very fact that they get good at building something that they can kind of hide behind the thing they build and figure they're good enough. You know, right. so that once the engineer figures out how to like build a machine that coins out money, they've got security and they really don't have to evolve, you know, too much farther to, you know, live amongst other people and communicate and, and be transparent and be a little bit vulnerable. So people will trust them, you know, all those social skills, you know, really go by the wayside or, you know, engineers never really can find those social skills. So they become engineers, you know, to find a place that feels secure. Right. Right. Interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that, but that's, that's yeah. true. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, like I, said, I mean, you know, all, all the ones that I've worked around all these years, this is never a topic that came up. <laughs> so. Doesn't have to. Yeah. yeah, but you know, if you want to have like this rockin' female partner, 
you know, a woman that's not only got your back but climbs up on your back and bites you on the shoulder to let you know she's there, you know, that takes skill. Right. Interesting. To, you know, get, get over yourself and find your like, ability to, like, you know, allow other people to be who they are and, right. you know, stop trying to be your performance and, you know, and, and let go of your anxiety and just, like, just be you know, in a way where women can find you and go, oh, that dude is like in his body, you know, that I can trust that dude or that dude, you know, isn't looking for all this exterior validation. He's just like quiet and peaceful in himself. That makes me want to open to him. And then through his leadership by making offers that women can respond to, you know, he creates structure. And so these are all skills that, you know, engineers don't really have because they don't have to. Right. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Now, speaking, speaking as far as engineering and building and constructing and design, because the design part is the, the part just fascinates me. Because, I mean, I, I love right. the, the creative and the designing and, and all that sort of thing. And I, I actually do a lot of that. And that's, that's one of the things that, that really drew me into promotional work was, was the design and the graphics and all that sort of thing. And I still do a lot of that. Um, tell us about the bowerbird and how that kind of segues how you like that segue okay because that's going to yeah. take the, to run a motor start a motor minute right. tell us how that segues into the erotic portion of what we're going to talk about excellent yeah so the bowerbird is my mascot it's kind of my uh, i use this um this is a metaphor to talk about you know how you have to find your your own uh, erotic awakening to be a great designer and so what happens is the bowerbird is this ugly little bird from New Guinea that, you know, it doesn't have any peacocking feathers to use. So what it does is it builds this above-ground nest, sort as of its erotic little bachelor pad display for females to come by and, and judge him. And so they, it looks like, uh, you know, sticks and twigs, and they'll go find just only blue flower petals and ornament the whole thing. And then they'll, and then they'll put like bottle caps around it. You know, so if you go online and look at bowerbird bowers, they're gorgeous. You know, and the funny part is the young bowerbirds maybe get laid once in a whole season, and the older bowerbirds are killing it. So how did you know the older bowerbirds figure how to just keep tweaking, you know, and modifying their bower so it resonates more as an erotic display? So I think that's fascinating. And so what I do is I talk about like the designer that designed the Jaguar XKE, for example, gorgeous flowing lines of, of a sports car, right? And this is an engineer that, you know, he came out of the aircraft industry, uh, you know, and the Jaguar, you know, was way ahead of its time with disc brakes and stuff. But if you look at that car, like how did the engineer design a car like that? You know, what I feel is like he must have felt some sort of like erotic feeling in his body, he must have, you know, known what he wanted to feel like when he saw that car, and then he kept pushing the clay around until the car recreated the feeling he had in his body. So, so now like you're you, my language. Okay, love yeah, this. Yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> so it's like poetry. Poetry, you put a bunch of words together that recreate the same feeling you had, you know, that you want to convey with your readers. And so when they read that poem, they get the same feeling. Well, it's the same as design. So that designer had to embody something in himself that sort of like allows him to create this Jaguar, which is the same as, you know, a bower. So 
what I talk to engineers is like until you find that, that ability to own your own erotic expression in your body, you're never going to really be able to design something beautiful. And that's the same thing that I had to go through when I was designing the Rhino bike because I went from a you know, stiff, you know, designing boxy machinery kind of guy to going to dance, you know, dressing up in costumes, in, you know, starting to you know, experiment with my sexuality. And it was through that process that I started to wake up and just go, whoa, you know, like I, when I look at paper and I'm scribbling, it gets better until it finally feels like it's resonating. And then like, you know, it feels like it's resonating I, and I build something and show it to somebody else. They, they go, whoa, dude, that's, that's amazing. So it takes a whole like waking up process. And we can talk later. I want to talk later about like, you know, projection and you know, like how that's like assigning women, you know, sexual currency and how you're looking at, you know, external stimulus for, you know, your erotic experience. But that's the opposite of like, feeling something in your body that you own in your body and you can like access it and then you know use it to design with right so, right yeah that that's cool we you know, i was i was looking on um on wikipedia and i was looking up the bowerbird and i mean they've right. got an entire section in there about you know how, about building the the bower and and the whole mating process and it's just yeah. it's fascinating it's absolutely right. fascinating right be, uh, listeners, y'all, y'all gotta look this up. It just—it's fascinating the way it describes it, and and how detailed it is, and how the the female makes her decision, and and it, it's just—it's cool. It's really cool to read over. So definitely take a look at that. But that, yeah, and, and we'll and, and at some point we should talk about how in our culture that whole peacocking thing is backwards. So let's make sure we circle through that too. Well, I like how you went through that, and and the whole the the culture has it wrong. I, I I've never heard anybody else describe it that way, but I, I like how you explain that. And uh, well, I, I like the idea that it should be flipped around the other way. I I like the idea of men, you know, turning into. I I just like the idea of it being turned around the other way for a change. So I think we definitely. Yeah, well, need yeah. That. Do you want to talk about that right now? Yeah, let's do it. I, I like that idea, okay. ladies. Perk up your ears and listen. This is this is an awesome idea. Go ahead. Let's explain that. All right. So this so this is what in, in the in the in the animal kingdom, when the males and the females have equal access to resources, right? Got to remember that. Right. The peacock in this example, you know, with the feathers, has nothing, you know, but its feathers to you know compete against other males for the attention of females. So what it's doing is making an offer and a presentation, like, aren't I great? And how it animates its feathers maybe is, you know, something to give a female, a, you know, resonance on what they are. But eventually a female opens a channel for connection, right? right. In our culture, the whole thing's backwards. So mm-hmm. men project onto women and think that they're peacocking. And then when women don't, you know, oh, I'm sorry, so, so women are peacocking, men respond as if they're peacocking, and then when the women don't come forward, men get angry. Right. So all the anger in our culture, you know, in, in the male culture, you know, towards women is around this, like they're not creating a channel coming forward, and the truth is women don't owe men jack shit. True. You know, women are not, you know, women are not the ones that are generators. You know, men need to generate an unattached offer that a woman can respond to. And when she responds, she shouldn't have to do anything but step forward. So men create an offer, men create structure, men create an invitation, and then when a woman comes forward, 
she's free to animate, you know, whatever's going on in that structure. Awesome. But, you know, it's not the other way around. So that's why it's backwards in our culture, and, and it's really sad. And, you know, we can go on. I mean, the whole, like, projection in our culture is an outsourcing of your own erotic expression. So and if a man just likes it, starts assigning a woman sexual currency, and it's like, oh, she's fat, she's awesome, you know, she's hot, you know, and, and, and high fives the bros, you know, that's like an approved way of having your sexuality because if you really own your own sexuality and you go up to a woman privately and say, you know what, when you talk about that whole train of thought, you know, when you, when you express yourself that way, I get inspired. You know, I really feel like I, I just want to know you a little bit better, and I just thought I'd share that with you. Now, that's something a woman can respond to. And what a dude is doing is he open, he's opening himself up to be influenced by the feminine, and that's a threat to the collective. Because if yeah. you look at the patriarchy and, you know, the male-dominated culture, they don't want to be influenced by women. They don't want to be judged by women. It's never going to happen. So when you're like a peacock and you're opening up a channel with a female, what you're trying to do is pass on your own DNA. It's a highly individual act of, like, choice. And that's a threat to the collective because they don't want you to make your own choice. You well, know, at like, that point, you, right? At that point, you're you're actually giving power to the women. Heaven forbid you give power exactly. to Exactly. No, <laughs> no one of that happened. No, 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 no. Can't. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Can't give power to women. No. No, at all. Right. And, and what let her like like natural select me? <laughs> That's never going to happen. It'd be nice if we had a little bit more of that in our culture right now, but you know, so, so that's, what's, that's where men get shamed in their sexuality. So the, the male-dominated culture shames men for their sexual expression because they don't want to make their own individual choices. And that's where men can, like, claim their own freedom. It's like, you know what? Fuck all you guys. I'm just going to, like, choose this woman, and I'm going to go have sex with her because I feel like it. <gasps> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> and she has consented to, like, you know, have this encounter with me because we feel like it. Oh, see, now you know? you're talking crazy. See? <laughs> Total crazy, right? <laughs> so, you know, we're all nodding in unison to the, you know, male-dominated, like, you know, demand for conformity. And it's, it's just time to, like, you know, we just can we just get along together? Can we allow women back into the workplace? Can we actually allow women to initiate the men you know, through their, you know, asking men to, like, get out of their feeling state and get out of their emotionality and become a little bit more stoic and start making choices that they're held accountable for. <gasps> Accountability? Right. Oh, my goodness. Next, know, next right. thing you want to people to be responsible for what they do. Come on now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's like something I would have that. No, <laughs> just, just hide. I didn't make that decision. No, you didn't make that decision. There's no... What, having a dialogue? What, allowing other people to influence my decision? No. Wow. <clears throat> and they let you talk about this stuff? Wow. Well, I, I hope nobody listens to this. We might get in trouble. Wow. I, wow. Good thing it's internet radio. Whew, they'd take us right. off the air otherwise. <laughs> good, good thing the owner of the station likes me. <laughs> okay. Good. That'd be you. 
Otherwise, he might, like, cut it off or something. Whew. Okay. So that's, that's wow. in a nutshell. I mean, that's the, and, and my whole thing about trying to help men find their own erotic expression and, like, claim their, their erotic dignity, we can't do any of that work until we understand, you know, the culture we're stuck in. That's right. the first step. You know, you can't expect a woman to open up to you and really, like, fully express herself to you when you're carrying around all this patriarchy. And right. when you're carrying around, what, you know, like, like the other thing I want to wrap is, like, you know, they say, oh, well, men still peacock to women. No, all they're doing is showing women the, you know, the financial security and the assets that they bought, you know, in a culture that has taken away women's access to the same resources. Right. So when men show women stuff, all they're doing is showing women the stuff that women should have had access to in the first place. Right, right. So it's, it's so stacked against women, it's not even funny. Yeah. Well, well, so many things are stacked against women. I mean, they, they yeah. just are. You know, it's been centuries of let's take the power away from women and make right. sure that they don't have any power. You know? Exactly. Yeah, so in, and, and I'm not saying men have to, like, fix all this immediately, but they, I, I, you know, they have to be aware of it and, and, like, admit that they're conscious of it before they expect women to, like, create, a, like, a strong bond and go out into the world, you know, as, a, as like, an equal couple. <gasps> an equal couple? Right. And, I, and I'm not saying, like, don't, let's not get, like, tangled up in, like, the feminist thing where, like, oh, the never be equal men, you know. And I'm, I'm a fan for differentiation, you know, the masculine and the feminine stuff. But I'm talking, oh, yeah. like, equal access to resources, equal level of power, same, right. you know, that shit. I'm, I'm, I completely agree with you on that one. Great. There, there, there's definitely a difference between men and women. I, am, I completely agree with that. But, but as far as equal footing, I'm, I'm good with that too. So. Yeah. Awesome. All right. See, I've, we're, we're on, we're on the same page. I like that. It's always yeah, nice well, when. That's the, that's the beginning. <laughs> very, very nice when that happens. And, and I completely agree with, with feeling. You know, I, I'm not all this. You know, the whole. You, you've got to. Not not the whole be overly emotional, but but you know you know feel what's going on, and, and especially you know feel what's happening with your body. I like that. You know don't 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 get into situations and and not feel what's happening with your body. That that drives me crazy when people don't do that. So yeah, it's a huge sensory receptor. You know, what I mean, like take advantage of it and tune it in, and you know, like learn how to trust people just on their vibe. You know that kind of stuff. But, you know, when I, like circling back, what I would, meant by, like, you know, for women to help men get out of their feeling state is a lot of what happens to men is they get kind of, like, this is, you know, for engineers especially, you get a little bit anxious and you feel a little bit uh, unworthy and you seem to need to be validated by certain things, you know, so you need to be validated by women or validated by, you know, some sports activity or some, some you know, there's this validation need that needs to be fed, and whether it's conscious or unconscious, it sort of keeps you a little bit, um, you know, in this kind of feeling state of wanting to please people. Okay. But what happens is that's how people manipulate you. Because what you're doing is showing them the little portal where they can feed you candy. And as a, like, a man that needs to, like, create structure for a woman that feels safe – if he has this open wound that just people can figure out how to feed candy to it, whether it's, you know, 
con men or you know gambling or you know whatever addictions, you can be manipulated and led off into some other direction. So it's not the like the flirting that dudes do; it's the fact that they're you know needing to be validated by the feminine in a way where they'll just get led off somewhere. So it's 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 you know the challenge for dudes is to like seal that off, you know, with leadership and containment. So you know the women that you're with feel like you're in charge and you're like looking at the horizon and you've got you know a container that they can like feel secure in. So, so all all of those things too, I would think, make vulnerability extra difficult. Well, it's good. Yeah, I love that's a perfect next question because vulnerability. The way I define vulnerability for a man is for me to say something that you know that stays true to myself, where I may risk you know not getting something I want. So I tell this great little story. I say, you know, I'm on my first date with a woman, and she's talking all about gardening. You know, she's totally into gardening. She's, like, passionate about gardening. And, okay. I, and she finally is like, well, you know, what about you? I was like, well, you know, I, I love your passion about gardening. I really respect that, and I can really feel how exciting that is for you. But I'm actually into monster trucks. <laughs> okay. Monster trucks is my thing, you know. And, and right there, he's being true to himself. He could right. lose the date right there, but the truth is maybe she likes to roll around in the mud and dress in camo. He doesn't you never, know. You never <laughs> know. So that's being kind of vulnerable. That's being true to yourself, and what that does is that makes you feel safe to a woman because you're not pulling for validation. You're not saying, oh, I, could, I like gardening too. I like, you know, I'll, I'll build raised beds. You know, all that does is make a woman feel like you're like trying to match her thing. Right. But if you're staying like in your sense of security and space, I'm like, look, this is my thing. What do you think? You know, like this is my peacocking feathers. You know, this is who I am. Right. You know, now you feel safe to people. And that's not only women, that's in business, you know, and anywhere you go. You know, like, who are you? Say who you are. And right. be clear about it. So that's what vulnerability is. Well, at least put it out there. I mean, if the person isn't into it, they're not into it, but at least right. put it out there and give them a chance, you know? Totally. Mm. And then if they say yes, you're rocking it. You're doing something you love doing. Well, and, you know, they, they could maybe they're not into it, but they're open to hearing more. You never know, you know? Totally. Give them a chance. Totally. Maybe she could be interested in monster trucks. Right. <laughs> you know? Totally. She just might. It's a kind of dirty. Maybe let me like, well, you know, can we monster truck our way up to this place where there's this rare plant that I've always wanted to go look for? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the stands do vibrate. I mean, you never know. So. You never know. <laughs> Crazier things have happened. <laughs> so. That's right. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. All right. <laughs> so. And I seem to live in the monster truck capital of the world here so <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet you do <laughs> no joke <laughs> so. right that shit all over the place hey you know there's actually a monster truck show this weekend <laughs> so, so tell me why is it why is it important do you think to um uh and we may have sort of covered this but let me let me ask you anyway why is it important to address the culture for men to perpetuate talking about 
um, how to reclaim their own erotic dignity. I like the idea of an erotic dignity. Tell us about right. that. Well, here, I'll tell you a quick story. Okay. Um, I go I to this. Um, yeah. So I, I go to this men's salon every every month, and this is not like a men's group where you're talking about all your problems. It's like um, city planners and visionaries, and you know these are all these guys that get together and talk about future stuff and aesthetics, and you know we just pick a topic, et cetera. And it's pretty serious, heady stuff. And we went around the table and said, what's everybody been up to recently? And I mentioned I, I just finished my book. And they said, oh, awesome. Well, like, uh, read us a story. And I said, all right. So I cracked it open, and I read the story about my first date in 18 years after, um, you know, I was actually still towards the end of my marriage, and I talked my wife into letting me have a girlfriend. And I wrote this story about what that was like, you know, to, like, meet this, you know, tattooed up, you know, dreadlock wearing, you know, yoga teacher, you know, at a, at a workshop and end up at her house. And I'm reading this story, and in its detail, you know, what's going on. And I finished the story, and I, I pick my head up, and in the room, and all these guys are, like, all of a sudden sitting back in their chairs and talking about how they miss their cock. And they miss sexuality with the women. And, and it, it was the weirdest thing. They were kicking it back in a way where, like, all of a sudden it was okay to talk about sexuality in infinite detail for these older men. And so it's changed the vibe in the room. Interesting. It was profound. Yeah. And, and so there's, there's something about, um, like, coming to grips with, like, the culture we're stuck in, how we all feel small, we don't get to voice you know, like in, in that room, I've been going there for a year, and, you know, occasionally a dude might say, yeah, I really was like, had an argument with my wife, and now, you know, we sleep in separate beds or something like that. It's this tiny little, like, story, and everybody goes, oh, sorry, dude. But so in the, in the culture that we're stuck in, it, it's so oppressed for dudes, and there isn't anything that ties your, like, erotic dignity to your health and your ability to be effective in the world and your, like, full expression those things aren't prioritized side by side. So until we kind of understand this mousy little place we get to navigate through, and we don't even know how to stand up because we don't know what we're standing up in, you know, we have to have that conversation before we start talking about like unplugging your cock from your ego and plug it in into your heart. Interesting. So does it seem like there's there's no middle ground between not talking about it and just locker room talk. Is, is that kind of what we're saying? I, I think there has to be some level of awareness that starts chipping away at the like uncontrolled bravado. Because dudes are so like, yeah, the locker room talk stuff is a good example because you can't even like get out of like the, the body language of that you know, until you, you know, kind of pick your head up and like look out over the horizon a little bit more. It's, it's, it's this trauma response, you know, where everybody's just kind of, all, their body's almost shaking from the trauma of, of the culture we're stuck in. And then you try to say something reasonable to a woman that walks by with your four bros, you know, without catcalling her or something. Right. It's almost impossible. You know, it, you know, I would recommend for any man to like, take some classes or become aware of what you're stuck in because it's hurting yourself, your own physical, you know, well-being. You need to sort of like shake off this like lead jacket and 
start you know walking towards something that vibrates more healthy in your body it well it is it's it's just our our whole culture and society has got it so that i mean you can't it, it's just so it, it's like we're all so strangled that you just can't talk about it you know even Hello? even the fact that i have this radio show and i'm treated so ridiculous by people when they find out i have this show they don't even ask what I talk about. It's just the fact that I have even a quote-unquote relationship radio show is treated as so bad by people without even any details about it. They don't even bother exactly. to ask about details. It's just considered to be wrong. You know, they, right, because like, it's a threat to the patriarchy. It's exactly. It's a threat to the collective. Exactly. So you might make your own choice. Oh, heaven, no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, if they looked at my archives, they'd probably really have problems with it. But, you know, they, right. like, they don't even bother to ask what I talk about. And I've, I've got a really detailed about page explaining about the show. And that's like even, even family members of mine have never bothered to ask about the show, about why I do it or what I talk about. They, they don't even care. They just right. their their opinion is the fact that I do it is an issue, and they they think it's horrible that I have the show. That's that's just where it stops. And that's, that's just preaching to the choir. That's like that's based on the dominance hierarchy. And the, what the dominance hierarchy is is you marginalize the people below you and you fear the people above you. And by yeah. like taking your place and pointing at the outside world, and say I'm with everybody. Like don't forget to include me when the food rations come out. I mean, that's, that's all that is. That's it. Yeah. it just, it's pathetic. It, you know, and the fact that, that I, I'm like, well, I'm going to do it anyway, you know, it, it just irritates them to no end. <laughs> I'm like, oh, whatever. Going to do it anyway. <laughs> but it, wow. Yeah, I don't know. It just It's ridiculous that our culture is like that. But it is. It really, really is. Okay, so now you talk a lot about modeling vulnerability and like I said I just I just covered this a couple of weeks ago in a show so how how can people model vulnerability just a little bit more detail because like I said it's something that I think people have a lot of issues with vulnerability so it never hurts to kind of drive that home a little bit yeah it's a, it's a great topic um, and the, the way that I frame it up is so if you if you think about your psyche as having like demons in your basement you know, okay. this, is the place, this is the place where my fear and my lack of self-worth and, you know, all these, you know, my, my, my deeper emotions kind of live. And then there's what I call strategies and tactics that sit up on top of that. So most of us, you know, in our ego, use strategies and tactics to make it through our day. And, you know, we try to explain ourselves and we try to demonstrate our character and we try to, you know, talk about, uh, who we want people to think we are, and all that stuff. And and the minute you get into any kind of a confrontation where it starts getting a little dicey, um, the, the strategy part just is not going to work. So the, the modeling vulnerability is is you don't want to be you know defenseless. You want to speak from your experience. So instead of saying you're really pissing me off right now, you say you know I'm having this feeling of collapsed um, fear 
and I'm having this feeling of, you know, I just uh, feel kind of inadequate right now. And, you know, there's, uh, there's ways that I could feel better. You know, I would prefer if, you know, these other things happened. Um, and, and if that changed, that would make me feel better. So it's not like you're telling other people they're wrong. You're not making it their fault. You know, you're speaking from your own experience. And, and what I talk, the way, when I say it, I say, speak from your demons. So, or speak from your, you know, this, this dungeon basement. And that's, it's okay to, like, we all have these, like, traumas that we grew up with. That's, you know, our ancestors pass and bound to us. We carry these, these, you know, experiences. But to speak from those experiences builds connections. You know, it, 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 it's a vulnerability like exchange like when when I speak from my own experience somebody can feel me and they don't feel like they need to defend themselves against anything and you know the other tactic I use when you, you know, as far as modeling vulnerability is is if you're in a conflict with somebody talk about what happened and how it affected them and never talk about why you do that shit because if you never talk about why you do that shit I don't have to defend it because I, you know, I can be transparent about what I did and how it affected you. So it keeps me in my sort of curiosity. It allows the other person to stay in their vulnerability and explain their experience in a calm, methodical, you know, curious frame of mind. But, you know, people that aren't skillful want to just go after, like, why I do that shit and try to solve the problem. But there is no problem because why I do that shit is my own business, and that's who I am. True. So there's there's a whole little cycle in there that requires some skill to learn. But man, you figure out how to like speak from your demons, and you know, remind people that we're not going to talk about why I do that shit right now, and you can just cruise through the world in like this sense of regulation and peace and harmony, and, you know, comfort. So that's the goal. You know, it's not being a better, you know, ninja, you know, attack, you know, whatever. Right. Interesting. You know, I, this is something I like to do, and I like, I like to think about, you know, ask for what you want, and then just shut up and just let the person decide if they're going to give it to you. That's what I do. Oh. I'm like, you know what? This is what I want. Now, you make a decision. Right. <laughs> It's not my job to increase my chances of getting it. You know, like my privilege and my patriarchy, you know, you know, turns me into a little white liar. I'm not a white liar. That's a terrible term, but into a, a you know, um, you know, a little, you know, you're telling these little lies because you believe you already deserve the thing you're asking for, or you're trying to guilt the person into saying yes. So you, you don't have a right for any of that. We don't have a right to receive anything. All exactly. we can do is ask for it and shut up and let them decide what they're going to do. That's it. My thing is no, nobody's entitled to anything. You're especially no. not entitled to something if you didn't earn it. So just say, this is what I want, and then let the person make a decision. That's right. That's simple. Completely agree with you. Yeah. All right. Now, what, what is this? You said that men usually expect for women to agree to a request to entertain him. So instead of making her an offer, then she can respond to it. Now, now tell me, tell me, explain that to me. Yeah, so, um, so 
you know, you're on your first date, and you're your first, finally you're going to end up in bed with a woman. So we're climbing into bed kind of for the first time, and we're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. Okay. And there can be, on a man's side, there can be a certain amount of wanting to be, to perform something, you know, to make sure that he feels like he's valuable. But what happens, too, is men expect women to entertain them. Ah. So, so the first move sometimes is like, well, you know, do something sexy. You know, or a woman's, you know, somehow pressured to feel like, oh, I've got to do something sexy here to get this guy to be interested in me, you know, or to get his, you know, his juices flowing or something. But for a man to expect some woman to entertain him is really asking her to take her armor off first. Well, what if I want him to entertain me first? Say again? What if I want him to entertain me first? Well, awesome. You know, then you can ask, you can ask, entertain me and shut up, you know, if he wants to do that. <laughs> Let him decide. <laughs> you know, but, but men insult women by expecting them to like somehow entertain them um, right off the bat. And, right. and that's, that doesn't create leadership. Men would need to like be making offers that she can respond to. And, and making an offer is simply, you know, like, look, the thing is I like smearing lube on my leg and then I like you to like like smear your pussy up and down on my leg and grab my cock at the same Oh, okay. What do you think about that? And she'd be like, uh, that's kind of edgy, but I could do that. So that's, that's just an offer and she can do it and she knows that it's, it's what you want. But that's not asking her to entertain you. Asking her to entertain you is like, well, you know, shake your tits or like, you know, wiggle your ass or like, you know, go down on me or, you know, start asking her to perform, that's, that's not leadership. That's, you know, and, and again, it's the biggest, you know, goal, I think, in any kind of sexual encounter is, is how do you ask somebody else to just be themselves? You know, the invitation, and, you know, for me at this point in my life is like, look, here's a chance for you to just find something in yourself that you've never really had a chance to access because nobody ever asked. You know, what would you like to enact in this moment? There's nobody here but you and I. Right. You know, I'm at peace with just whatever's happening and, like, what would you do, you know, that just kind of feels like you just feel like doing it, you know? And she's like, oh, all right, well, uh, I've always had a little bit of shame around, you know, whatever. I'm going to do that. And you're like, awesome. You know, like, and then you watch that go down and you go like, oh, well, if you're going to do that, then I'm going to do this. And she's like, okay, dude, that's, that's awesome. You know, and you, and you start trading, revealing yourself and, like, your honest sense of, like, who you are. And to me, that's, a, that's got endless, you know, I can do that for three hours. Right. You know, where if you're just in your performance and you're expecting somebody to entertain you and all those, it's just like, oh, my gosh. I like that. Very cool. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. I do. I really do like that. Interesting. All right. It's a practice. And I mean, it's, it's, and the other thing I could add to that is, is in a healthy relationship, what you want to get to is I own my own uh, choices as far as how much I want to open myself to this experience. So how right. open do I want to be to you based on the signals I'm getting? And I have a right to be like half open to you and still have sex with you 
and it'd still be okay because we're like, all right, dude, like, thank you for showing up. I, I know you're not fully revealed because we're only, we've only been dating two or three weeks. That's awesome. And she's in charge of opening up to me based on the information that she's been given. So my job is to give her accurate information of right. who I am so she can make her own choices on how open she wants to be to me. Exactly. And then when you come in the middle, you know, like it's ninja warrior sexuality. We can go deep and like as like open and playful as we want to be. And then when you step back, it's totally clean. Right. Very true. Well, and that, that's the thing. Being open and honest with each other beforehand makes it so right. much easier because you know who you're dealing with. Totally. Yeah, let's not hide and pretend nothing's going on or we don't want to, you know, like the thing conversation isn't about fluids it's about what are we doing very true and who are you doing it with totally like what do you want to accomplish here you know like is this like on its way to a long-term relationship or is this like we're going to like rock this thing and i'm getting on a plane i mean like what are we doing right okay now you you send me that now explain this to me now here here's a train of thought that you sent me it is critical to let go of our needs and wants and expectations to quiet our minds enough to listen for what wants to be created. So tell me more about the act of creating intimacy in that container. Nice. I like that. So this, this, this is a like, perfect place for this question. So if I can create an environment. Well, here, I'll tell you another little story, okay? So I met this woman at this, uh, at this party and... and there was some, you know, you know how, well, you know this, like, a woman can just, like, open up her heart just for a second, you know, like, this little, like, I'm going to show you my heart for a second. If you're paying attention, you're going to see it, but I'm going to count to two and close it up. And exactly. I'm just better face. And I, and I, like, oh, she totally just, and I said, excuse me, can I just tell you something, you know, personal? She goes, yeah, I want to have sex with you. And she, like, looks at me and she says, you know what? I want to have sex with you, too. I'm like, awesome. So we ended up back in my place after this party, and I'm in there fumbling around with, like, candles and getting this, you know, the speaker synced up thing, and she says, I feel uncomfortable. I'm like, uh-oh, all right. So I just stopped everything, and I just kneeled down in front of her, and I looked her right in the eye and said, like, there's nobody here but you and I. There's nothing here but you and I. It's just, you know, our two curiosities coming together. And she was like, all right, well, then what about all the projection, like what you want me to, you know, what this is all supposed to be? It's like, I, got, I got nothing. I got no projection. I, I don't want this to be anything else than just who you are right now. And she's like, okay, I'm back. So it's like creating this little moment of quiet connection, you know, right. to get connected, you know, on a place where there's nothing happening, no expectations, no performance. You don't know what's going to happen in the next three seconds. And then you quietly listen for where it wants to go. Right. And you can just like reach out and touch one finger to the other person's finger and start driving it around in the air. Or you can just like start with something that creates a flow. And once you start listening to the flow in this like quiet place of just letting it unfold, you know, that's where the magic happens. Right. And there's a lot of people that like find themselves in that little sometimes and it's rare and you go, Oh, I love that moment. Like how where did that come from? Create that, you know, like 
it, it, there's a discipline to just like climb in front of somebody and just start from this tiny little place of connection. And it's like you can build it out into this like animal passion like undefined, you know, right. from this little tiny place of connection. And it's beautiful. Awesome. Kudos that she did that. There's, there's been times where I needed to just say that to somebody and didn't have the guts to do it. So exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah, I've told you. Yeah. I, I've said it into my head. Thing but couldn't get my voice to say it. <laughs> so. Well, then I encourage women to do that. Just stop it cold. Say, all right, hold on a second. I feel uncomfortable. And yeah. see what the dude does. If he can, like, regulate and go, oh, uh, all right, hold on. Let's just, uh, what's happening? Yeah. You know? Totally get that. <laughs> it's important. So we need to lay the groundwork to understand ourselves before we start to have any real honest communication. I'm big, I'm big on understanding ourselves. So what, what would you like to share about that? It's, yeah, so the fundamental part of that question is to, before we know, before we have the capacity to understand anybody else or you know, to truly see somebody or uh, ask them to be more of who they are, we have to know ourselves. Yes. You know, so much of connection really comes back to how can I know myself or how can I, you know, uh, take on the responsibility myself for these actions? How can I generate an offer from a place of vulnerability where, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer this and she could totally laugh at me because it may sound totally ridiculous, but it's kind of what I want to do but, you know, I'm going to do it anyways because I'm trying to grow. You know, if I could get this to happen creatively, I, you know, it would be kind of awesome. I would, I would be, feel more fully expressed in this world if, if I could co-create this little thing that I'd love to do. I, I've always wanted to tie a woman's wrists up, you know, just tie her wrists up, you know, and see if that would change anything. You know, just some little thing. You know, so it's, it's so much of, of our, you know, collaboration with other people starts from understanding yourself. Right. It does. Now, I, I love reading. Whenever somebody does different sections to their book, they always put quotes in each one of the sections. And I like that. And I figure, I, I know when I do that, it's something important that I put in there. Because, right. you know, it, it just, every, every word I put in a book is important in some way. So I tell people, I said, if I put it in there, read it. Because it's there for right. a reason. Okay, so I really like, I, I like each one of them, but I really like part four, okay, where you put my erotic awakening. And you said, as a boy, I wanted to dance naked and be loved for it. Once I entered the harsh and mechanical world with my ego to protect me, I managed to keep that dream alive. I experimented with innovative creations and remained transparent so others could build on my discoveries. Sharing them led me to discover it's not my ego but my curiosity that gives me strength to perform the great heroic enactment of who I am, a wild and precious dance that could not be performed in any other way but naked. Tell me about that. Nice. Yeah. Um, so I'll break it down. So if I am not worried about being validated by other people, and uh, I don't need to be, uh, I can't, so if I'm not being validated by other people, I can't be manipulated. So if I can't be manipulated and 
uh, I've got nothing to hide, you know, because I've, I'm transparent, then I don't need to defend myself. So through the act of just coming clean with everything, you know, no secrets, no lies, no hidden agenda, no trying to increase the chances of getting what I want. I'm totally at peace with asking for what I want and shutting up. And I see things as opportunities in life that I invest in, and I know nothing about my future beyond that. I become completely transparent, so I don't have to carry around this baggage of like defending myself. So through my transparency, I'm able to stay curious so that my ability to like look at the world, be curious of the people I meet, of like gathering information and running it through my body allows me to be in its, you know, that gets actually created by my choices and enact myself, you know, which is the greatest expression of anything is to just be my entire expression, my unique person in this world, you know, that has a right to be here as much as anybody else. So that's, that's a huge, you know, I mean, a life lesson experience to get to that point. But to find that destination allows one to just live a life in peace and harmony. Interesting. I know, I know my curiosity drives me far more than anything else because I always want to learn something new. <laughs> so. Right. And it keeps you in your curiosity. Like you're not in your defense. You're not like sad. You're not like protecting yourself. You're not looking at other people as a threat. You know, all that stuff. You just, you just shut all that stuff down and your brain has this huge capacity to learn. Yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd learn 24-7 if I could. So. Yeah. But, yeah, there's always, always something new and exciting to learn. So. Yeah. And that's how all of that like, translates back to how do we become better innovators? How do we create a world where we all can thrive together? That's my ultimate mission. Yep, and and we can do it. We just got to work at it. So, yep. very true. Well, I tell you what, we're just about out of time, and I actually didn't ask you enough about about your your invention. Tell us tell us about the Rhino. Okay, uh, picture uh, a Ducati motorcycle up in half, and the handlebars, you know, where the gas tank was in the seat. Uh, it's a big fat tire. You ride it around. It's like a lifestyle product, so you ride it around in the city. And I can't even go 100 feet without somebody stopping me and wanting to take a picture next to this thing. So, I would think uh, very attractive. Yeah, it's crazy, and like two, so what, 20 million views on some of our YouTube videos. It's a total geek fest right now. We're uh, we're doing a licensing deal with a couple of manufacturing partners now, so the bike's really going to finally be out maybe uh, springtime next year. I'm actually doing a Rhino hydrofoil, which is like picture a. Uh, you know, surfboard riding along on this hydrofoil, perfectly flat, and then picture the rhino bike on top of that. So that's going to be a total new blowout lifestyle product. Um, so yeah, it's 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 an exciting time for me right now. That stuff's all warming up, and then the book sales is cracking, and um, I'm just feeling like it's it's just a vibrant time in my life. I, I got to tell you though, I read about the accident, and, and oh my goodness, that hit! Oh my heavens! Yeah. Very vivid, very vivid yeah. way to start the book. I was reading yeah. it, and I was like, oh, my, ow. Yeah. Well, accidents happen. When the gyro comes unplugged from the self-balancing vehicle, you do a face plant. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a hell of a face plant. Oh, my, yeah. ow. Like I said, a vivid way to start the book. 
there was no no missing that impact. Got your attention. Mm. But well, they do say to start, you know, grab the reader's attention, and I, you got it, you got it in the first paragraph. So, well, wow. everybody should look for it. Heart and gear and engineers, erratic journey to freedom. Definitely. Well, how can how can they find you? How can they find your website and more information about the book and uh, your your all, all what you got going on? How can they find you? Yeah, just go to my website, uh, heartingear.com. Uh, look at my manifesto on the second page. There's a link to my book right there. There's a couple of great videos. The Bowerbird uh, stories in the middle of um, one of the videos, my TED Talks there. Um, so, yeah, do that. And then rhinomotors.com, R-Y-N-O motors.com is my one-wheel motorcycle. So check that out. And uh, just send me an email and get a newsletter and stay in touch. Awesome. Awesome. Well, what I'll do is um, there's a page on my website I created. Um, so if you go to readyforloveradio.com slash heartingear, you will find um, a replay of today's show, and you'll find information about um, Christopher and his book and links to him on social media and his websites and all that information. So I'll have it all in one place for you. And, and I may have even found a video that will show you uh, the rhino. You just never know. <laughs> so. so there's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, I've got a couple. Of... No, no accident videos though. I won't. I won't include one of those. Oh yeah. We, yeah. We new software and much stronger batteries, and so it's, it's a really solid bike now. Awesome. 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 Well, it was great to have you with me. I, I knew it would be an, inter- an interesting conversation. I just had this feeling. So, very good. So it was it was great talking to you. And listeners, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And like I said, there will be a replay um, on the website. And I will see you next time on Ready for Love Radio.